if you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. Are you telling me you made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Huh? Oh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah. I'm so glad we have real internet again. We have real internet and I can see you. I know. This is magical. I miss you. Please never leave me again. It's been so, so long. Like, I think the last podcast we recorded, I was in Barcelona. Yeah, that's right. And that was the third week or maybe the third and fourth, third and a bit week of my eight-week trip. So, like, that was a while ago, mate. Yeah, man, we missed two races. I mean... And, and what badass races they were. Oh, my God. Hungry. I was so devastated that we couldn't podcast after Hungry. And we tried. We did try. I know. Here's Sasky, like, sitting in her little hostel, and she kept turning into a robot voice on camera. We tried when I was in Prague. We did try when we were in Vienna, but a certain member of the podcast went to have a nap, slept through her alarm, and turned up four hours after we were meant to record. I fucked up. (laughs) So we tried twice to record a Hungry Show, and then we just had to go, ah, like, damn it, screw it, whatever. We'll deal with it when I get back to the country. That being said, I thought Spa was this coming weekend. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be back on the Friday. We can record like over that weekend. And then next weekend is Spa. No, it turns out Spa was on the weekend. And Mm -hmm. you weren't even around. You were at Pocono. I was in Pocono. Where it doesn't even sound like a real name. Like it doesn't. it's 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 not the place. The place is actually called Long Pond, Pennsylvania. Okay, see, I got confused because you were all of a sudden, here's a photo of Watkins Glen. Oh, yeah. I was like, what's she doing there? (laughs) Well, I mean, they are only about two hours apart. No, so how, what happened there was um, the friend that I went with got really into, like, reading all about the 70s racers, and she, like, was really into the Tyrrell team and Sever and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So uh, I didn't tell her we were going to Watkins Glen. We just were suddenly there. And she looked up and was like, wait a second. What? And I was like, I can't. We're going to Watkins Glen. And she just freaked out. I wish I had taken a video. It was beautiful. The only thing I know about Watkins Glen is it's the home to the Salem Six Hour. And the only reason I know that is because Salem also sponsor the Western New York Flash National Women's Soccer League team, who I once worked with. So that's the only reason I know where things are, because I had to send two players out to the six hour to be the grand marshals at one game for one point. Oh, nice. And the no, world is tiny. So for her, that's it was a big deal because, um, like, Sever won his first race there and then also died there. And we went to the bar where they all went and, uh, like, went to after the races and the piano that he used to play is still there. And he, she just had this big, like, come to Jesus moment. And it was the most amazing thing. So, yeah, we did that. And then we boogied down to Pocono, which it's it's called Pocono because it's in the Pocono Mountains. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's Pocono Speedway. Tricky track. Okay. But, um, yeah, you know, and aside from the obvious terrible event that occurred at the end of the race, um, 
it was our first IndyCar experience and the rest of the weekend was really fantastic. So. Now we are, we are obviously going to touch on that at some point in this podcast, but we'll probably, we might leave that to a little bit later on so we can do it the justice it deserves without becoming hyperactive about other things after. Let's, let's talk about the F1 races. We let's missed. talk about some formula right. one. Let's do that thing. Hungry. Okay. Hungry. Uh, look, I've seen, obviously the last two or three seasons and I've seen most drivers first win and a couple of, a lot of the other iconic races. And I'm slowly eventually going back and watching all of the, you know, previous ones to know the history. This was one of the best races I have ever seen. Oh, hell yeah. The best part was, um, my friend and I did not watch it until later that day because we both slept through it. So we got on Twitter and live tweeted the whole thing and everyone was sitting there replying to us like, oh man, it's going to get real good in a couple laps. And I'd be like, no, Look, don't I, I was going from, I think I was going, I'm trying to figure out where I was going. I think I was going from, I want to say Barcelona to Marseille. I was, and so I was on the bus and I was trying to follow it on Twitter and the bus Wi-Fi was a bit iffy. And so we stopped at like a rest stop during the race. So for lunch. So I'm sitting there eating, uh, I can't remember what I had, it was, but it was delicious, which was ridiculous because it was a rest stop. And the bus driver who speaks no English is also watching the race. So him and I are standing there watching it on a TV with like no English, like there's no <laughs> audio. And so Hulkenberg's car explodes or his, his front wing goes under the car and yada, 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 yada. And all this is happening. And, and, um, and then he's like, he taps me on the shoulder and he like kind of gestures. And I was like, right. Okay. We have to go back to the, we have to go back to the bus now. Uh, okay. So we get on the bus and the race finishes and I know who wins. And I'm like, and, and when the bus stops, finally we get to Marseille and he turns around and he just like picks up his hand. He's like, and starts listing off the top five for me with like hand signals. So I knew who got what. And I was oh like, we speak, no, we don't speak the same language, but we but have like a, other names. we speak formula one. And I was like, Hulkenberg and like making like tear faces. And he just laughed at me. And so that that was an entertaining kind of little interlude on how Formula One, you know, you could have a conversation about something like that without having to speak the same language. Oh, yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's, um, oh, that's so great. The with Hulkenberg made me so angry. I was um, like, no! Um, okay, what else happened? I was hoping it was Checo Perez. I gotta admit that. It, like, it went under. That was like, uh. He was a very nice human being, but you you know my feelings on this. Look, I, I'm sure Checo's a nice human being, but he has a picture of the Pope stuck in his car, and that weirds me out a little bit. Really? He has a picture of the Pope, like, taped inside the side that's of really, his car. And I get, like, that's, I get that. I, I, I'm assuming he's, he's, reasonably religious that makes sense mexico has a large you know christian basis but it's also like you have the pope in your car and you suggested Susie wolf go back to the kitchen and then claimed it was because you didn't understand the joke. like no one understood the joke so Listen, i'm a little bit like, like uh hope is a really cool pope i mean i don't know i gotta admit i don't mind the pope the pope i know it's cool but i'm I, not about to put a picture of him on my wall no quick pope story Apparently, <laughs> when he was in Brazil uh, or somewhere, this girl had a Brazil soccer jersey on, and 
he asked her if she was Brazilian, so he must have not been in Brazil. Um, and he goes, so who's the greatest soccer player, Pele or some other name? And she just yelled, Pele! And he gave her a giant hug, like, soccer pope! We have a soccer pope! This is great! Soccer pope! But um, anyways, other stuff. I never thought I could possibly be angry at Dan Ricardo. But, but here we are. Here we are. I was, oh my god, like, I don't, it doesn't even matter if maybe Rosberg shouldn't have defended that corner as hard as he did. It was still his goddamn corner. Get the hell out of here, Dan. Get out. It was like, go. And there it goes. Leave. And then, yeah, yeah there it goes. There it goes. Yeah. Um, but, but he did redeem himself with his new Instagram. Oh my god. He has an Instagram now, and I I don't want to like him, but I can't not like him. He you don't want to like him, but it's a, he's Australian, and we're extremely lovable. Listen, that is not true. There are multiple Australian racers that I do not like. And like you know what about this. Wait, he's not from Australia. Close enough. New Zealand is basically... I was like, are we talking about Scott Dixon? Because he's from New Zealand. No! I was like, no, wait, we're talking about Mitch Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I... I was like, I was like, um, I'm pretty sure you couldn't name me an Australian racer you don't like, because there's literally, like, three of them. I know. You have Dan Rick, like, uh, former Mark Webber, and then you have Will Power. I do like Will Power. Dude, the most ridiculous name in existence. Have you? Okay, I will send this to you if you have not and, seen it. And an Eldo's shoe sponsorship. Because I was in the Eaton Centre here the other day, and there was a giant picture of Will Power, and it's oh like, Will Power, and then there's shoes. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Didn't know that. <laughs> Did you know that Will Power's brother is a comedian? Oh, yeah? What's his name? Oh, man. I, oh, I can't remember. But he does an amazing piece, and I'll link it to you, and we'll post this link up in case you haven't seen it, um, about how his brother's name is Will Power. My name is Will Power. I named him Will Power. And, like, talks all about how he's really good at driving cars fast in a circle. And See, I, 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 I imagine he's possibly not a very good comedian because I've no, never no. heard from of him. <laughs> and in Australia, like, comedy is massive, like... Right. I lived in Melbourne, which has the world's biggest comedy festival. And I don't know if he's super well-known, but his piece on his yeah, brother and then the follow-up thing he did was hilarious. Like, I lost my shit. So I look forward to watching this. Yes, we will do that. Um, other stuff from Hungary. Oh, my God. Fernando Alonso reunited with Pete I, look, to be honest, when that race ended, I was like, McLaren, just want to end the season here now. Cut, this let's go, point. see nope. ya. Because I have no idea how much, like, like, I understand how Fernando Alonso got that car into P5 because he is an ex- incredibly talented racer. Like, and that, when you, when you know how bad that car is and you saw what he managed to do with it and where he got and you were like, and yeah. But I mean, that being said, Hungary was a racetrack that, that, that car fit. It suited it more than Spa. But still, that car is horrific, and he got it to P5, and that is a legit miracle. Like, so if they want to canonize him as a saint, they can list that as one of his miracles. Because yes, absolutely. Legit miracle. It also makes you think, though, like, what if McLaren had put other guys in this car that weren't former world champions who knew, you know, knew what they were doing? Like... They are I love like Kevin Magnussen, like, but putting Kevin Magnussen in a car that bad? I, I like know. Kevin Magnussen, but I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 
would have been unfortunate. We, look, yeah, I I love Kevin Magnuson, but now we've got the whole K-Mags and Stoffel kind of thing that's going to come yeah. down to McLaren next year. It's not going to be like, it's not going to be like, oh, where does Kevin Magnuson go? It's going to be like, which one of these two guys gets the seat they possibly could turf Jensen Button out of? Yes, exactly. Which is kind of sad in and of itself. No, I, I don't... I don't, I don't want, want to see a bag of milk to leave F1. I don't want to see any driver with the likes of Alonso or or Button or any of those guys have to look to bring up my 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 uh, my regular Mark Webber mention. Oh wait, how, how far into the podcast yeah. are we? I was like, this is going to be my turn. And bringing up the Bruins, you bring yeah. up Mark Webber every two seconds. Well, here's, well this, look, the the point I was making is. <laughs> he could have raced probably for another year or maybe two. But he decided that at that point in time, he had he was still competing, he was still competitive, he was still at the top. He'd rather go out now on his turns than a year or two down the line be turfed out for the likes of Dan Dan Rick or Dan Fiat or, or someone like that. Which is fair. You know, um, and, and I and I I always hate to see drivers with, with like, illustrious histories, even, even like, Kimi. If Ferrari turfed Kimi out, I'd be sad because I like seeing racing car drivers with, like, long legacies going out on their terms. Yep. Not even necessarily at the top of their game, but, you know, up there. When you can tell that they're leaving because they want to and not because yeah. the team has someone ready to replace them. Exactly, yeah. And, and and that's the kind of unfortunate thing that we're probably, we're possibly going to see with McLaren because the reality is Jensen Button is at the end of his career. And unless, and, and, and if you say, okay, well, if the car is amazing next year, they can be super competitive. Well, you've got Fernando Alonso, who's there for at least next year. If you have to make a choice between the two, you're turfing Button and you're putting in one of your two young drivers that you need to put into a seat. Otherwise, you could lose them. You know, someone like Kevin Magnussen, who raced successfully last year, is not going to take another season out. He's going to go off to IndyCar or somewhere else for a while. And Stroffel van Dorn is going to win GP2 this year, which means he will no longer be able to race GP2. I have a lot of feelings about that. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. This backlog they've created. Sorry, I'm assuming if you win GP2, you can no longer race, correct? I know that's the GP3 rule. No, that's the same thing in GP2. Yeah, okay, because Jolene Palmer won last year. Yeah, that's why he's sitting around this year with nothing to do. Yeah, him and he's hanging out with... uh, um, Lotus. Yeah, I was like, I "I know he's at Lotus. He's hanging out with Carmen Jordo at the moment. He is. They're bros, I I hope, I assume. Um, Yeah, I, I just, again... Yeah, I, I, Jensen is signed through the end of next year, but you can't, I can't see him staying that long. It'd be nice, but yeah. I'd rather see him go to World Endurance Championship and race with his brother. Yeah, that's the thing. Jensen Button is, look, Anthony Davidson and Bruno Senna want Jensen Button's career to go for as long as possible. Because one of them is going to lose their job at BBC or Sky or something when he retires. Because <laughs> he is going to be like, there will be a battle of the networks to get him to their network. Because you know, he will be and he will be a fabulous announcer. Because we've seen him do it before, and he's hilarious. There was a rumor that he was going to be one of the next hosts of Top Gear. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that, and I would love him to retire and be like, "Peace out. I'm going to go." I'm doing Top Bye. Gear. Bye. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, he'd kill it. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be like, uh, the, yeah, he can go and be the non-stick. 
Because who would you rather watch test a car, the Stig or Jensen Button? I don't know. A guy in a white suit or a bag of milk? Hmm. No, I don't, okay, I don't get this bag of milk. I'm confused. Okay. I don't know where exactly it came from, but he's boring. He's just, he's the most boring human being on the planet. That's not true. But like, I was like, I was like, me? Has he been been his race cars and working out. That's all he does. He's a yeah, bag of yeah. milk. Well, well. <laughs> I think that working out also has to do with the fact that he's quite tall for a driver. Right. But, like, and, and literally, that's all he does. Yeah. All oh, he no, does. I but, right. I mean, he likes doing that, and if I had that much money, I'd do whatever I felt like. <laughs> right. I wouldn't just work out all the time. I mean. But he clearly enjoys working out. No, which is what makes him a bag of milk. It's fine. So, it's fine. okay, he says the girl who gets bored every now and then and goes on 40-kilometer bike rides. Listen, that's different. That's like once in a while, not all the goddamn time. Yeah, well, Listen, me and my me and my 13-minute mile are just going to hang out over here. Fine, it's fine. Everyone has to start somewhere. <laughs> this is not starting. This is like an improvement. It's <laughs> really nice and I failed. Um, no, no, no. I mean it in a very endearing way because I think bags of milk are adorable. They're very... Bags of milk are insane. I never knew what a bag of milk was until I moved to Canada. We don't have them in Australia. There is um, a really great Tumblr post, which is just some Canadian getting really mad that no one knows how to operate a bag of milk and just, like, explains it for idiots, and it's beautiful. Yeah, you have a jug that you put the you milk back in. There are jugs specifically that you can put your bag of milk in. It's and beautiful. you cut the edge up and then you pour it. Yeah, it's very easy, but also very ingenious. I yeah. never would have thought of that. It's, it's, it's good from a recycling standpoint. Yeah, so that's fine. Anyway, bag of milk, Jen's button. Go to World Endurance Championship. Do the yeah. thing. The one, look, the last thing that we do need to talk about, or two of the last things from Hungary, is what the hell Pastor Maldonado? Oh, my God. Bro, I'm pulling for you, and you do me like this? Come on. Three times. I'm pulling for you, and you do this. I know. Oh. It's just like, I mean, he just... He just takes it to a new level. Like you just think he couldn't get any more Pastor Maldonado, and then he then he, and does. Then he does. That being said, I saw an amazing tweet yesterday or the day before from someone who was who was tweeting that there is a kid in their class whose last name is Maldonado, and they knocked <laughs> over an entire table that day. That might have been. Like, my I can't even make this shit up. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I don't know what he's doing, and I'm sad. But you know what? It means that probably he won't drive an F1 next year. I hope. Well, I've got to figure out where Lotus are going to get someone else with that much money because Lotus need that money. Here's the thing, and we will go over this in the rumors section. Renault. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about the rumors later. Are they going to become a factory team? Are they going to be able to have drivers that they don't need to pay for the seat? Correct. I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll come back to this. Ciao, Pasta. That being said, that yeah. being said, like if Pasta Maldonado has that much money and Lotus are like, nah, it's not like there's not like two or three other teams on the grid that would be like, hey, we could use twenty million dollars. Go to Manor, Pasta at Manor, twenty sixteen. I'm crying forever. More on that later too. He may. I could see him going to drive like IndyCar or something because I don't think I could see him oh, wanting to be like. I don't think I could see him being willing to put up with Mana. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, the last race before Hungary, without a Mercedes on the podium, was Brazil 2013. Yeah, 
That's that's forever. So we going. went an entire. We went basically a season and a half with at least one Mercedes on every podium. That's kind of amazing and Excellent. annoying. Yeah, but Red Bull. Before at least, the, at least, yeah, but yeah, I was about to say, at least when Red Bull were like the dominating team, it was generally just one of them. Actually, how is uh, that different from now? And also, that's a lie. Mark was on the podium. I said that I was like, oh, Mark was on the podium frequently. He just didn't look, look. In the, in Mark the story, Nico, yeah, I was like, Lewis. story of Mercedes and Red Bull. Mark is Nico and Lewis is Seb. Ah, I know, it hurts me. It hurts me right in my very soul. So that podium in Brazil, that must have been Sebastian, Mark, and who was I the third? I feel like it was Fernando. Oh, maybe. Maybe. The, I'm not the, sure. The noise is me Googling the results here. It wasn't now. Kimmy. It wasn't Grosjean. Because Grosjean's last podium was the U.S. Grand Prix that year, which was my first Booyah! It was who? Seb, Mark, Fernando. Oh, wow. Good job. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so Hungary was cool. Hungary was good. And, and I was just reading, sorry, I was just reading this, and it was back in the day of the, like, the fastest lap of that race was a minute 15. Dang. Yeah, I was just like, can we bring those cars back? Please. I know, it's not even like that was that long ago. Come on, guys. Oh, it was like... Two years ago. Not even. Not even. Like, I, I want cars that go like that again. Yeah. It sound like that again. I walked out of that, that U.S. Those cars computer. sound like sex. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, that's a weird analogy, but it's like... Like, oh. they just they just make you like... Oh. They, like, they rattle your entire body, and it just feels... And you're just like, oh, yes. <laughs> Sarah's face is like didn't quite need that graphic sound effect, but fair enough. You Sasky, that's fine. Um, all right, let's talk about Spa. So, I forgot how big a circuit Spa is. Yeah, and I was like, Jesus Christ! There's only forty three laps in this race. Yep. Which compared to what I had to sit through on Sunday, yeah. What? How many laps was Pocono? Five, no, it was 500 miles, so it was like 200 and something laps? 200 laps, maybe? Something like that. It was 200 laps, because they got to well, 199 and then nonsense happened. Um, but we know the fact that um, Formula One races can't be over 300. Or they can be over 300, but... 300 miles. No, no, 300. Formula One races, I believe... Uh, so 190 miles, can't be more than 300 kilometers. Oh, wow. Okay. And so if the last lap starts before 300 kilometers, it can go over. So the most you'd ever see it is about 305. So okay. that's, I believe, they can't go for longer than two hours of race time. Yeah, that's true. Because I've seen races get cut off. Yes, before yes the end because of- they've had so much yellows and things like yeah. that. Um, that being said, red flags do not count for race time. So it's 300 it's two, two hours of elapsed race time, excluding reds and rain delays, but it's 300 kilometers. So that's wow. why a circuit like Spa, which is, I think, seven kilometers maybe, is like, yeah, Spa is like 7.2 or something, or seven kilometers. And so 43 circuits is 300 and I think 301 kilometers. So yeah. that's, that's, there's your interesting Formula One fact from today. <laughs> that was ridiculous too, because the Red Bull ring is only like 
five kilometers? Yeah. Four, five kilometers? That's why you see like 60 laps and a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. still seemed like it took a million years to walk around, goddammit. Um, That's one of the things I love about Formula One, though. I know the race starts at this time and it'll be done by this time. So yes. I plan like, and, it, and it's two hours. Like, I get up on, on a Saturday, on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. when the races are on. I get up at five minutes to eight. I turn on my I turn my computer on or I turn the TV on. I am back on. in bed by ten. I am back in bed by quarter to ten. Yeah. I'm like, oh look, look, here's a podium. We're taking bets on Nico Rosberg speaking in the language that the other person speaks that Lewis Hamilton doesn't understand. Right. And I feel like he does that to spite Lewis, and I really, oh, really I'm sure he does to spite Lewis. Like every like like he talks French to Rogro, he talks German to the others, he'll talk Spanish, he'll talk Italian anything but english yep what a dick because they all speak english yeah it's very like sassy yeah that's that's kind of how he rolls though but spa we got a Roman Grosjean podium i know all right i gotta tell you this story so okay. we obviously again like you just said the race is at eight o'clock in the morning on a sunday where are we at eight o'clock in the morning on a sunday we are in line we were actually in line to get autographs at Pocono. The autograph line started at 8. They get things going right early, which is fine. Um, what time does the race start? The race started at 2.30. Yeah, so you, you went and got autographs, and then you basically could hang around in the pit lane for four hours and watch cars get pushed around. And Yeah, um, our, our campsite came with two paddock passes. Like, literally. Oh, yeah. I'm coming back to this later, but oh my god. I'm coming to Pocono next year. Not even Pocono. We're going to camp at Indy 500, and it's going to be great. That Um, being said, Indy 500 is right in the middle of the playoffs for me, so. Oh, man. We'll figure it out. Anyways, so we all had made a pact before the weekend that we were not going to spoil Spa for ourselves. We were going to wait until after the race, drive back to Massachusetts from Pennsylvania, and watch it on my giant screen TV. And, like, live tweet the thing, like, unspoiled. Well, I thought I had disabled all of my notifications and everything, so I thought I'd be the race. I didn't tell anybody else. I was like, yeah, sweet, we're all unspoiled. God damn it, Lewis won again. Um, ah, the score, the score. Ian McLaren, this is your fault, somehow. Somehow. Go. Love it. We get through the race. We're driving home. The race took four hours. Four goddamn hours. Because I think like 50 of the 200 laps or something like that were under yellow flags. There was a yellow flag because a fox ran onto the track. I kid you not. Like, what the hell? So we decided as a group to just like, okay, we're going to look at Twitter. We're going to spoil ourselves. Like, in the car on the way home, it'll give us something to do. Because we'll know, like, what happened in the race. We'll get to talk about it. So my friend Britty basically went on to Mercedes' timeline, scrolled really fast all the way back to the start of the race, and just read us their tweet updates, like, for the, the whole two hours worth of race. So by the end of it, we're, like, screaming, like, what the hell happened? What happened to Vettel? Why didn't Hulkenberg start the race? Like, why? What's happening? Lewis ran away with it, but, like, everything else that happened just, like, pained me. It was good. It was a good time. I, I don't recommend watching races like that. To be honest, I so I got back on Friday at 
I think I got picked up from the airport about 8 p.m. on Friday. Yeah. And I had flown from Copenhagen via Reykjavik home. So I've been, about, I've been in transit for about 12 hours, which is absolutely nothing if you have spent the last 25 years living in Australia. Right. Because when I moved from Australia to Canada, it took me 42 hours to get here. And the last time I flew from America back to Australia, I went Buffalo, Detroit, New York, LA, Sydney, Melbourne. And they took me 44 hours to get home. So 12 hours, I was like, fuck yeah, this is super easy. And I was like, I'm not even going to get jet lagged. Wrong. I did. <laughs> I fell asleep at like 10 o'clock that night. On the Saturday night, I like, I went out, I got up in the morning, I watched the, the, the quality, I went out all day, did a bunch of things, and I was asleep by 9.30 that night. Got up next morning, watched the race while I was cleaning, and then went to uh, the CWHL draft, came home a little bit drunk, fell asleep, got up the next, like, I, 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 I was just so nonstop for that whole span. I know that I watched the race. My <laughs> brain's a little bit like, do you really remember oh, any of this race? Like, I remember Hulkenberg's car was dying, and then he got it off the line, and then they said, come in, and then they're like, oh, no, it's working. Get in line. And then it died anyway, so they had to do a whole other lap again while they, like, pushed him off the grid so he can go and sulk in a corner. Um, By the way, he had a new haircut this weekend, which I did. love. He looks like a peacock. It's beautiful. Anyway. I know. Look, look, everything to do with that man is beautiful. But let's get back to talking about races. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Vettel's, uh, Vettel's uh, tire exploded. exploded on, like, the last lap. I was like, oh, he's going, holy fuck, what is happening? And Romain Grosjean is like, well, I would have taken him anyway. I'm like, oh. like I'm, I'm really glad for your confidence there, Rogro, but I'm not sure. That being said, we were so uh, I Max. So Max Verstappen came fourth, I think, in Hungary, and I so badly was like, "No, da- Fiat, like da- Danny, just do something wrong. I need, I need a Max Verstappen podium at Spa. I need a seventeen-year-old podium. Like, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Each race I watch Max Verstappen race, I'm I love I-, I like the kid more and more, yeah. and I love all of the stupid videos that him and Carlos Sainz are being making with the Toro Rosso, or as we call them, the Toro Brosso. I've only seen a, a few of the recent ones, but they're pretty absurd. And I really want him to get on the podium in a country where the drinking age is, is uh, like 19. Yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, what do we do? And, and the thing is, no one will, he'll get on a podium and no one will remember. Oh, like, no, they will they will. Do you know what they oh, do? No, no, no. I was about to say, it's no one will remember until he's already got on the podium and they're like, hey, shit. They, they must have contingency plans for like, because they do an IndyCar. In IndyCar, they like made them spray sparkling champagne when Sage Karam was on the podium. Like, they all had to use sparkling champagne. Like, that's, oh, that's absurd. It's hilarious. Oh my God. No, this needs to happen always. Well, it's like when they go to Bahrain and they have rose water and you yeah, can yeah, see yeah. them, like, chugging it and they're like, oh, oh this is gross. not champagne. Yeah. So that was the two races we missed. It was a good time. We, we they were are, good races. Um, what was I going to go back and talk about again? We were going to go back and talk about um, Renault. And Renault. Oh, yeah. So if Renault actually... Actually, caveat, welcome to Silly Season. Yeah, welcome to Silly Season. This is the general F1 news section of the podcast. Let's do this thing. Yeah, welcome to Silly Season. Um, So Kimmy, first of all, before everything else, Kimmy is staying at Ferrari. 
Yes, he is. Fine, whatever. Which means that Bodice is probably staying at Williams. Which means that I have literally no idea what Nico Hulkenberg is going to do next year. Is he going to yeah. stay at Force India? Is he going to go back? I don't I'd know. I'd love to see Nico Hulkenberg go to, like, like I don't think, it, it, I don't know what Mass's contract is. I don't know if he signed for another year. I'm not sure what the deal is. I think he's I got one more year. Yeah, I think he does too. But I'm just imagining Williams being like, hey, Nico, do you want to come back? Like, sorry that we got rid of you. They go after, after like your successful rookie season where you put us on pole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, please yeah. let this happen. I, um, I reckon I wouldn't be surprised seeing him at Force India still. Because like, really, where's he going to go? He doesn't have money, so he's not going to Salba. He's not going to any of the like. He's not going to. Um, he's not going to Manor. I mean. Lotus, if Lotus become a Renault Works team and don't need the money from their drivers, and you see Maldonado move, yeah, maybe he goes there. But it's all it's all a dominoes thing, and none of the dominoes are moving. Also, why would he go to why would he go to Lotus if they have Renault engines when Renault has proven that they can't handle their shit? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, does he go to Haas? I Plus want this to happen. Haas want... is the thing that I think is the is the unknown and everything. We have a new team joining next year. That's two new seats. Do we ever? Do yeah. we ever? Yeah. Sorry, you can't obviously see what's happening right now because this is a podcast, but Sarah is currently waving an American flag because she has them just conveniently located in the like vicinity of them. for these podcasts. I go hard, okay? I go hard for America. It's fine. Um, yeah, so Haas is the unknown, and I'm really, like, I have what I want, obviously. Um, you want Alex Rossi in a seat oh at home. Do so I ever? Is, and, and you would preferably like him in a car, which is decorated with both American flags and eagles painted in glitter. Bald eagles, like McDonald's logos, like, just all this American nonsense. I'm sorry, not even McDonald's. Like, it has to be, like, Taco Bell or something. No, like, why? Because Taco Bell is the worst American fast food I can think of. Like, McDonald's <laughs> makes sense because McDonald's is a oh. universal brand. McDonald's and Coca-Cola, boom, you know, America. Did you know there's a GP2 car with a KFC logo on it? Of course there is. There is? Why? I don't understand this. Don't Who races know. a GP2 car with KFC sponsorships? I think it's someone in Carlin. It's not Alex Rossi. Well, but if yeah, someone yeah. with Carlin, it just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But uh, Yeah, well... <laughs> That is random. I don't know. I don't know. We, we like, randomly discovered that a couple of days ago and just laughed our asses off about it. But, um, yeah, so Haas, just give me yeah. Nico Hulkenberg and Alex Rossi. And let I, me look, look if, if the team becomes Nico and Alex Rossi, I'd be pretty, oh, I may, may sign up for that team. Yep, yep, I'm on board. You I'm look, look to be honest, you're on board regardless of who's driving for them. No, I know. You know what's you another just prefer it to be someone you actually like. You know that both of the backmarkers, well, I'm assuming Haas is probably going to be a backmarker. I'm hoping not. But, like, them, uh, Manor might get bought by an American. Did you hear about this? No, I haven't. Please yeah, fill so me in. One of the guys that used to help run Circuit of the Americas, uh, I can't remember his name, um, but he is considering putting in a bid to buy Manor. And, you know, America. We might have two American teams on the grid next year. He won't know what to do with yourself. I don't know. I don't know. 
I've got all these emotions and they're linked to America. Emotions, like everything is beautiful. I want an Australian team, but that's not going to happen. We haven't had one of those for a while. I know. I don't know if they were an Australian team or that they were just run by an Australian. What? Um, Well, early early Minardi were run by an Australian guy. Their their owner uh, was... uh, Australian. I'm just trying to remember. I think it's early. I'm like, I know it's the team that Mark Rev waste for initially because there's a photo of them on a podium with like, um, like a stuffed kangaroo. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was Minardi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also he also ran the Minardi team in Champ Car, which was called Minardi Team USA. Beautiful. That's a, that's a oh, that's amazing. <laughs> America. Um, okay, so what else happened? In the, so silly season, people are moving, the team's coming in. We've got absolutely zero news other than Kimi Raikkonen staying. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the domino that everyone was waiting for that's not going to fall. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, other fun stuff that's happened lately. Have you seen Lewis Hamilton's summer break video? No, I didn't watch it. Oh, man, it's basically 80% dogs. That's fine. You should go watch it. At one point, he just, like, makes one of his dogs chase a laser pointer, and it, it killed me. I love that this is when he's like, my glamorous summer holiday, dogs. It's literally just dogs. Dogs. And just, Rihanna. Dogs. And occasionally Rihanna. But just very occasionally, mostly dogs. <laughs> I think that's the like, thing. It's like, everyone anticipated it being all this, like, partying and dancing, and they're like, dogs. No, it's dogs. Him on a boat. Dogs. With dogs paddleboarding with dogs like just dogs everywhere it's great it's wonderful um yeah that's I, yeah that's pretty much it i hope Renault buys lotus because what if we just have french drivers everywhere look i would like Renault to buy lotus because i'm sick of hearing about how little money lotus has or how like no yeah. development they're doing because they have no money like all of that stuff i'd love to not have to listen to that that would be True. super that being said, I'd love to not have to listen to that with every team. And I'd love there not to be like, oh, we're calling in the bailiffs. What does that mean? And then having oh to God, listen to Bernie yeah. Eccleston and be like, whatever. Uh, so their they're, uh, they're cars got seized because they didn't give Charles Peake enough FP1 drives last year, which this is where this is point. Here's the thing I don't understand. Contracts aren't hard. Most no. contracts have a table at the back of them, like Appendix 1 or 2 or something like that, that, say, that, that lists out in specific terms your obligations under the contract as far as things you have to do. And the so it will, have said, it will say, it will say FP1 drives, you know, 1, 2, 3, and probably list what tracks they're meant to be at. Yep. And then it will list, you know, uh, this many simulator days, this many appearances, this thing for this much money. You know how I know this? Because I write contracts for athletes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not hard, hard, guys. I don't, and I understand this. Like, it's not difficult. Yeah. It's common sense. And I mean, maybe you're like, oh, well, I would rather give that to Rogro. But you know what? You'd rather also have money and not get sued. I mean, seriously, does no one, did they all just lose their minds last year? Between them and Guido Vandergaard, and, like, Adrian Satil, who also probably got screwed over. It's just been, like, yeah. do you not understand how, like, contracts work, how the law well, works, like, all of this stuff? 
And Simona. I mean, they had signed Simona at that point too. Well, look, no. Simona's contracts fell apart because she couldn't keep, like, so they met their obligations to Simona, but they didn't retain her because she couldn't. Because they signed for other people. Well, that, but it was also that her contracts were dependent on bringing in certain money, and she didn't. Yeah. So Simona's was like, I mean, yeah, it's easier when you got rid of everyone else or you had that many other people, but it was also the fact that Simona didn't have the money that the other guys had and therefore, right, which is shit, but it is what it is. Speaking of women in race cars, Susie Wolf may not be back at Williams next year. I saw that. And, you know, honestly, like, as much as it sucks, she's not she's not going to get a drive in F1 because F1 is garbage. F1 only has so many seats available, and it would be great to see her go back to DTM or go to yeah, World Endurance or something. It makes me sad because, A, I really want to meet Susie Wolf, and, B, because Susie Wolf is really the only female role model, someone who aspires to be a female driver, has before F1. they get really into the sport. Right, you know, like like when you get into motorsports, you find all these other women they're there. But if you're talking about a young girl watching something with her dad or her mom or someone, Susie Wolf is basically all she's going to see. And when we lose Susie We're, Wolf, we lose that aspect. But caveat, that's only true in not America. True, because um, yeah, I know lots of I know lots of parents with little kids who watch a lot of drag racing, who watch yep. a lot of IndyCar, who watch a lot of NASCAR. Did you know that in drag racing, there are almost as many women racing as there are men? Yep. There's, um, what the, who's the, who's the steak and shake driver? Graham Rahal. Graham Rahal, his girlfriend or fiance. Yes. Is one of the best drag racers in the world. She drives a, the, the funny car. What if she drives funny car? Her last name is Force and I cannot remember her first name. I think it's Courtney. Courtney Force. That's it. Yeah. 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 Her yeah. Dad is like a huge part of that sport and she is one of the best drivers in the world in yeah. funny car racing. Yeah. It's the NHRA and uh, she's marrying Graham Rahal. I just read a huge article about this because I've obviously been getting super into IndyCar. Why though? Um, yeah. They're getting married. It's pretty cute. So, but yeah, yeah, outside of outside uh, in North America, different. But you know, from a from a Formula One perspective in in Europe, yeah, she's really she's really what you see. And 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 I know you and I, you know, I have talked about this offline a, a little bit this week, or even briefly in passing. I think I sent you a, an article about it, and there was a there was a Claire Claire Williams quote where she was talking about like what Susie needed to do to be to be taken seriously as a driver and and I understand where Claire Williams was coming from in that quote because she like she's correct but she's got no chance you know it says Susie has to keep working hard she has to make sure she's the full package she can be she's our test driver we'll see where we are at the end of the season what more can Susie Wolf do you see nothing yeah literally you know what it's the same thing honestly it's the same thing with Kevin Magnuson what the hell can they do they're test drivers like they Kevin Magnuson's difference. Drive their way into a seat. Kevin Magnuson's difference is no, that I'm talking about like they're the third and fourth drivers yeah, for, yeah. for their respective teams. Yeah, yeah. See, and I think the big thing is the moment you realize that they didn't really take Susie seriously was when they signed Adrian Satil. Yeah, from Malaysia, when there was the risk of Valtteri Bottas not being able to take, they said we need someone with race experience. 
we're going to sign someone else. Let's not think about our test driver who's been testing and simming our cars completely. Let's get the guy who's never been in our car. And they said Susie Wolf doesn't have F1 race experience. Well, she's never going to – it's this catch 22 situation. She's never going to get race experience unless you put her in a car. But you're never going to get to put her in a car until she has race experience. Right. And they have let her run FP1 a few times, and they've let her test the car. And so she's been in the car. But, yeah, it's it's, it's weird. It is that catch-22, like you said, and, and I it's garbage. But what can you do? So, And I, and I think that's the – and that's the unfortunate thing, too. I mean, I, I read a really interesting article today on unconscious bias, right? Mm-hmm. And it was about um, – it was about orchestras doing auditions. And they were saying that they were trying to increase the diversity of their orchestra. So they were doing auditions behind screens. And they found that they were still selecting a disproportionate number of men until they made the audition people walk in without their shoes on. Because what was happening is they could hear the high heels of the female walking to the seat to sit down to audition. And they Hmm. unconsciously recognised this and, and... and that, and so when they got rid of that, the 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 the, the uh, gender divide became quite close to fifty fifty, because they were really you know hearing it for the thing. There's so much what I see with women and racing where I'm like, if it was a dude, this would be not a conversation we would be having, or your problems would be totally different because, like, the battle you're facing for sponsors or to be taken seriously, all of this would be completely different because you weren't already like like to be a female racer you've got to be one of the best and if not even better because you have to counteract the disadvantage you get for having tits yep yep Booyah. sorry i've been at the cwhl this week so i'm all really like women and feministly and <laughs> listen why are you apologizing like, that's literally the best thing ever no it's, it's, it's literally it's literally anyone who still listens to our podcast we have this discussion nearly every second podcast we do, and we don't get anywhere with it um to segue into the next part of our podcast i well, met a man this weekend she was freaking awesome and like she finished the race she finished the race and a lot of people didn't a lot, a lot of drivers did not even get close. Like, 12 out of 24 cars finished that race that I went to, and she was number 12, but she still got there. Yeah, yeah. So, she finished. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, that was a lot. So let's talk about your other favorite thing to talk about. Which is Formula what? E. Formula E. Yeah, let's do that. Testing's so, happening. Testing has been happening. Uh, all the teams are coming back from last year. Uh, the season starts in October. There's a race in Beijing is the first one. Um, the difference between season one and season two is kind of big. Uh, the teams could develop their own engines this off season. So, but they also had the option to go back to the season one engine if for some reason their development didn't work. Um, so seven teams are running new engines. Three teams, uh, excuse me, two teams are running the season one engine. and Dragon is running Venturi's engine. Like they let Dragon, it's it's like the whole uh, constructor and, and yep, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. They're borrowing the engine for some reason. Um, Andretti got halfway through testing and realized that their new engine was shit, and so they're going back to the season one engine as well, which is frustrating because as soon as they put the season one engine in, 
Simona and Robin Fridge. I can't pronounce his yeah, name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robin Frisians. Frisians is a flower, so I don't think that's how you say it. Um, he and Simona like set, I think, the third and the fa- fifth fastest time. So You're like we wasted all this time. Go with what works. Uh, there have been a few other driver changes. There's one really big one, which is Jacques Villeneuve is driving for Venturi. How okay? How old is Jacques Oh, you are old. Now? He is old as balls. He's like 43 years old. Oh god, that's not that old, but still, yes. For, for, for car racing terms, yes. Old. He and uh, He's practically oh, and decrepit in car racing terms. He kind of is though. <laughs> It's fine. But, it's fine. But he's Canadian. He is. That doesn't mean anything because he's Quebecois. See, so look at the moment, <laughs> Quebec is still part of Canada. Yeah, for now. For now, it's fine. Um, Nick Heidfeld moved to Just Beard, Just Beard King to Mahindra, so he's partnering Bruno Senna. Yep. Um, so we've got we've got no more Senna and 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 no and more Chanda. Senna and Chandok. That's kind of upsetting, but you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reigning champion Nelson Piquet Jr. is staying at Nextev, which used to be China Racing. I was like, who the hell are Nextev? <laughs> Nextev. So China Racing was like China Nextev for a while, and then they were like TCR. I don't know. They they've changed names a few times. Now they're Nextev. Uh, Dragon. Is bringing back Jerome D'Ambrosio and Loic Duval, whom I met in a field one time. <laughs> um, <laughs> he crashed in practice in London and just like had to walk through the middle of the circuit, which is where the fan village was, to get back to the paddock. And we're just like wandering through the field. And Liz points and goes, Is that Loic Duval? And I looked and he's like in his whole race suit and everything. And it was Loic Duval. It was fine. Um, Andretti signed Simona for the whole season. They don't. Have, yeah. They don't have a second driver confirmed yet because Robin. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere. He was confirmed oh, to test, but not to test. drive. Okay, so we don't know if he's staying around. Gotcha. Uh, Jean Eric Verne went to Virgin uh-huh. um, with Sam Bird. That's a very attractive lineup. It is. Ah, Sam Bird is great. Scott Speed. Scott Speed, nothing yet. He's driving in Global Rallycross this year, and there's a couple of conflicts, so I don't know. I want him to come back because he was fantastic. But one of the big things for Formula E for the new season is that the winner gets a super license. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, hey, Nelson Piquet Jr., back in the game. (laughs) Well, wait a second. Wait. So does Nelson Piquet get a super license? Are they retroactively recognizing this year's championship as grounds, or is it from here on out? I want to say they are, because I I feel like I read something about that somewhere, but I might be wrong. But either way, I mean, their car is looking pretty competitive, so he could repeat and get a super license. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, so that season starts up pretty soon. It's nice that it's kind of offset from, from IndyCar and a couple of the other series that run in the summer. Yep. Um, so we'll get races all the winter. The good thing about Formula E, yeah, Formula E is we get it where we get it during the off season. So we're gonna have these podcasts. It's like we're gonna talk about the few random Formula One things and Formula E. And a lot of Formula E. So yeah, yeah. It kind of cool. means now that we've kind of segued around out of just being a Formula One and expanded ourselves out to other motorsports, we can really go all year round with this, can't we? We can. It's gonna be great. I mean, we basically talk about all the big series that have women drivers, so it's it's fine. It's all good. So, so I was going to say, so 
you actually have DTM notes in here. I don't know if they're still relevant. This document we did write about four weeks we did. ago. I just want to touch on this briefly. If DTM you're got dramatic. If you're into motorsports, you probably are aware of this whole thing that happened in DTM. Where Sorry, I just have to point out this one note you have here that reads, Toto got wicked pissed. That and was great. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I, I love the, the Massachusettsness of Listen, this expression. Listen, I'm excited, okay? He got wicked pissed, mate. <laughs> no. Oh, that means drunk, doesn't it? Yeah, it is other countries. No, I mean, it means he's drunk. Angry. I know what it means. Yeah. I know what it means for you. And and I and we use it the same way, but pissed also means drunk. It means angry and drunk in Australia. Total Wolf did not get drunk. Contextually, you know what we're talking about. Yes. So, TLDR version. Um, I believe his name is Timo Scheider, driving an Audi, slams into the back of a Mercedes, who slams into the back of Pascal Verline. Pascal Verline is out of the race. The, the Audi finishes the race. Apparently, the, like, head of Audi Motorsports yelled over the radio for Scheider to push the Mercedes out. Uh, Audi moved up in the championship ahead of Mercedes. Uh, God, it's, it's so... It's very German. Yeah. I'm like, um, hmm. Pascal Verline was... I believe he was going to take the lead of the championship, but but, you know, got crashed into. So he goes on Facebook after the race... And says, basically in German, karma's going to bite you, you onion rings. <laughs> because their logo is all the circles. Yep. And I'm just laughing forever. I now know the German word for onion rings. And Audi got a ton of penalty points. They got all their points for that race taken away. Um, Toto got really angry. Yeah, it was, it was really funny. I'm just imagining angry Austria. One of my favorite parts of Austria was that Every time someone talked, I was like, oh, you sound like... There was a few of them that I was like, you sound like Toto Wolf. Unfortunately, none of them looked like Toto Wolf. That's, so that's a game. That is a damn shame. I was like, damn it. I'm <laughs> Austrian. But yeah, so there's there's DTM drama, and it's really, really fun. Um, I want to watch the race this weekend, because all the drama happened last weekend. So it's good publicity for them, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Well... I was like, do we have anything more to talk about? I mean, we could go on forever. Realistically, you and I could talk about cars for forever. But people don't want to listen to us talk forever. No. we are, And we've done the world's quickest recap of, like, six different races. We're going to talk about IndyCar for a yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, the whole Justin Wilson passed away a couple days ago, uh, which was rough. Yeah. Put it lightly. Um. Sonoma is coming up this weekend, which is the series finale. They ran cars over the Golden Gate Bridge today, like, in tribute to Justin Wilson, which was really, really nice. Marco Andretti drove Justin's car. Um, that was cool. Um, it's so sad, too, because, you know, Pocono was... It was my first IndyCar race that I had ever yeah. attended. And um, until that moment, until, like, Sage Karam crashed and his nose cone flew into the air and hit Justin Wilson in the head... And, like, literally that happened on the 190th lap. So the first 189 were just so absurd. And the whole weekend before that was just so absurd. You know, we spent all day Saturday just kind of dicking around in the paddock. We had paddock passes that came with our campsite. The whole thing for us to go to this race, camp, and go in the paddock cost each of us 80 American dollars. 
for the whole thing. So all we had to spend was like gas money to get down there, food, and then, you know, $80 was not bad at all. Um, I wanted to also talk briefly about Mid-Ohio, which was the race before Pocono, and how it's really funny to watch IndyCar after spending so much time in F1 because the sponsorships and the traditions and all the nonsense is just so funny. Like, Graham Rahal, being from Ohio, won the Ohio race. He's sponsored by Steak and Shake. So what do they do? They hand him a Steak and Shake milkshake as he gets out of the car and he takes a sip of it. Like, no celebrating. You got to drink your Steak and Shake shake. That's it. I I feel like the Steak and Shake was probably filled with, like, Gatorade or something. Uh, I hope so, but we can see all the whipped cream on top and, like, whipped cream got on his face, so I don't, okay, so I don't know. Okay, so it's definitely not. Okay, so someone has to go to the local Steak and Shake and be like, we're going to take this we're going to put it in the fridge. Oh no, it was like, it was like a fit. Yeah, no, they had a refrigerator. They just like pulled it out of and it was in like a glass cup, like a really fancy milkshake. Like you you would get at a diner or something. It was, it was cute. And um, like he, they don't have the helmet regulations that they do in F1. So he had had a special. The helmet regulations in F1 are the stupidest regulation in existence. Like it's pointless. It is. Um, But he, since, you know, Ohio and the race is close to Columbus, he had had a helmet designed that looked like an Ohio State University football helmet. Okay, that's neat. Looked, that's very neat. It looked awesome. Like, everything about it is just so... It's, like, tacky in a really fun way, if that makes sense. The car liveries are beautiful. They're, like, every different color you can imagine. It's not boring at all. Um, and, I, sorry, I was just... Sorry, from the not boring factor... I saw that amazing piece of footage of the cars being nine wide, oh essentially, coming around the track in Pocono. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, admittedly, like, the idea of a round track kind of bores me a little bit. It's I, I never grew up on any motor racing that was a round track. V8s, which I grew up on, is always – it's like a DTM track, essentially. Yeah. So I, I loved that. And then so round track, I'm a bit like, ah. Oh. But when they're watching them go nine wide, I was like, this is badass. I could just – See, that's what I was thinking, too. I was going into this. I, I signed up to go to Pocono before I really knew what the track looked like. And it is, it's not quite an oval. Like, there's a little top part, so it looks more like a triangle. There are three turns. You know, the slogan of the track is, what turn four? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually hilarious. The tricky triangle. It's, it's adorable. And every, every turn is at a slightly different angle. So it's, it's interesting. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really think much about oval racing like I thought it would be boring too but you know the strategy is so completely different and it isn't just you know going around and around in a circle and like the overtaking is completely different so uh, I love that when I watched Indy this year I was like this is actually awesome it's super fun like there's so much more overtaking there were I think it was something like 37 lead changes that's that's nuts yeah 11 different drivers 37 different lead changes you know they pit Oh, they pit so much. I think a couple of the drivers must have pitted eight or nine times over the course of the race. And just, I don't know, everything about it was fun until the end, which was un- really unfortunate. Yeah. So I know clearly from, from what you said, obviously, excluding the incident, Pocono was an amazing weekend. But unfortunately, on Monday for the second time this year, and um, – we and and for the fourth time, uh, second time in I think four years for IndyCar. Unfortunately, on Monday we lost um, we lost a driver, uh, Justin Wilson, 
uh, succumbed to his injuries on Monday from Sage Karam's, uh, the, the debris that had come from Sage Karam and had unfortunately um, hit him in the head. Um, it once again reignites the discussion of... Uh, uh, Close cockpits. Close. I was like, I'm going to think for the word. Close cockpit. Uh, close cockpits. Um, which obviously was a discussion that we had when uh, Jules Bianchi was not only first injured but then passed away earlier this year. Um, if anyone has uh read it, Trevor Carlin of Carlin Racing had a really great piece about it and talking about um how uh you know, sport evolves and, and motorsports racing evolves. And 10 years ago, you know, we would never have had a Hans device and nowadays no one would race without one. And how we as as a sporting community and, and motorsport need to evolve with the times and, and closed cockpits, you know, are potentially the next the next step because we, we don't accept, you know, injury and the loss of our, our drivers as, as part of it. So um, that's a great piece if, if you want to find that on, on the internet. It's on uh, Trevor Carlin's website. But you were obviously there, Sarah, and not only saw it happen is the race, but obviously being there at your first race and then having this happen is... Yeah, it was it was really upsetting. I mean, again, like I said, the whole IndyCar weekend leading up to that was really fantastic. You know, they had stuff for us to do all day Saturday, you know, concerts, fireworks, meeting the drivers, all sorts of stuff. We got up really early on Sunday to go and get autographs and whatnot. Um, and, you know, obviously Justin Wilson had raced a race in Formula E, and I was really hoping that, you know, my friend and I, how they did the autographs was they split it into two sides, and you could basically pick the driver you wanted, and then you got 11 others that were just kind of picked at random. So we got in line to go see Joseph Newgarden. And I, I lucked out because Justin Wilson was in our line. And I really had wanted to ask him about his experience in Formula E. So, you know, we get down the line, we meet Joseph, we, we do the thing, we get to Justin Wilson, and there's a bit of, you know, a gap between us and the next people. And so I look at him and he hands me an autograph card and I say, thank you. And he goes, oh, he points to my shirt. You're wearing an Arsenal shirt. Do you like soccer? And I said, yeah, you know, we watch all the games in Boston. It's a really good time. And he was just like, oh, that's really cool. Like, you don't you don't really see that a lot. And I was like, yeah. So also, I really wanted to ask you about Formula E. And we ended up talking about just, you know, the dynamics of the car and how it was so different to IndyCar and how all the circuits were street circuits. And that was really interesting. And he just kind of, you know, when prompted by a fan, went on and on and on. You know, no, no, no questions asked. You know, my friend Kale ran into him in, in the pits on Saturday, and you know, a fan had asked him for an autograph, and he literally he lit up and was just like, "Yeah, do you have a pen? Let's let's do it." And you know, was taking pictures with everyone. He ran right by us. We were actually in the pit lane right before the race started, and we had to actually book it over to our seats because we almost missed the start. But uh, we saw all the drivers walk out right in front of us to get introduced. He ran by us to get to his car. Like, I was right next to him, you know, five minutes before the race started. And this is just really jarring, honestly. And, you know, I've talked about it a little bit online, but it is. And, and you know, I, I wasn't super familiar with, with him as a race car driver, except for his little Formula E stint. But everyone who's said anything online has only been able to talk about all the amazing things he's done. Like, he, he's, yeah. he's a, such a cool guy, like, such an amazing guy. He was, he was, like, 18 million feet tall. 
and still managed to be a successful race car driver. Like, yeah. What a human I, being. Was, I, I got an impression of, I got an impression of him as a kind of gregarious, gentle giant kind of sort, because I mean, obviously we're used to seeing, you know, most of our drivers are, are six foot tall and there's a picture of him standing next to, to Weber when they were at Jaguar and he's taller. Yeah. And that's not something you typically would see. Dude, there was a great picture from, from his little stint in Formula E of him standing next to Sam Bird. And he's just yeah. got his elbow on Sam Bird's head because he's, like, a foot taller than him. Like, just, ah, oh, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I, I, that was me knocking off my microphone. Um, I, look, I, I think it's... I think it's a jarring experience for any kind of motorsport fan, particularly the likes of you and me who have only been in the sport for three or, you know, two or three years. Because up until the Bianchi incident, I don't think it ever crossed our mind that this is something that could happen because it had been nearly 20 years. And it just was like, oh, you're like, oh, well, safety's improved. All these things improved. These things don't happen. I mean, if you watched IndyCar, you 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 would have more of an understanding because obviously they lost uh, Dan Weldon. And Maria, Maria Di Villota, too, yeah. from Marussia. But no one talks about her because... No, because she was, it was a testing incident and it was, you know, she wasn't a regular driver and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so suddenly when, obviously, we lost Jules, and then this has happened again. This this has happened. And then even even in GP three on the weekend, we came incredibly close to losing another person. Daniel Dijon, we, right? No, no, not even Daniel Dijon. Someone had an incident in GP three. Uh, Dijon is a GP two driver who yeah. has a fracture who has a fractured vertebra. But there was a wheel came off someone's car in GP three and missed a driver's cockpit by about two feet. Yeah. That's- and, and that's part of what Trevor Carlin spoke about in his, in his thing, I think. You know, we came incredibly close in GP3, and then 12 hours later, the Justin Wilson incident happens, and you suddenly realise, like, like you, you logically know that what they do is dangerous, and it is. It really is. But I think we kind of got complacent. And yeah. suddenly this has all happened. And, 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 and a lot of people are like, oh, well, it should be open cockpit because it's open wheel. That's what it is. But there comes a point. I, I, have seen, I have seen arguments against it where, you know, these drivers are trained to get out of the car so fast if something happens. And yeah. that, is, that is a good argument against the yeah. cockpit. You know, how many, how many accidents would happen where the driver wouldn't be able to yeah. get out and something terrible would happen? How many incidences do we see where them, yeah. It's about, and, and it's about finding a happy medium, which is an incredibly difficult balance to make. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've done lots of things. You know, the tethering on wheels is amazing. You know, you rarely, rarely see a wheel come loose. And if yeah. you do, it's often from a mechanical error and teams are fined considerably for that to make yeah. sure it doesn't happen. But, so, yeah, like what's the medium and, and, and where do we go from here? Because we're going to see something change. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's 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 tough. and um... it's but Yeah, and, and it's been amazing and touching to see everyone reflect and 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 you know memorialize justin wilson and you know the 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 compassion everyone has had and the passion everyone has to to talk about this this you know gentle giant of the sport who you know 
and and all the amazing stuff he did to get to where he wanted to go. That's something that I like. I, I I I can't I can't get enough of that story because he want he he clearly knew what he wanted with life and he was willing to chase it so so hard and back himself on that and I love that so much. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I'm. I am excited. Uh, I guess excited isn't the right word. I'm looking forward to seeing all the tributes for him at Sonoma yeah. this weekend. Um, it'll be touching, but it'll also yeah. be a hard thing to watch. I mean, kind of how it was with Jules in Formula One. I think the thing with Jules, too, though, was we had nine months, maybe, between the well, injury and, and, and the loss. We'd We'd almost prepared ourselves like it was when it happened we were like when when it when it when he did pass we were you know everyone was obviously deeply saddened but we had prepared ourselves for that outcome this was yeah the race after it happened was in sochi and yeah. you know they had the whole that press conference is still one of the hardest things i've watched oh god why do we watch this sport <laughs> Well, I mean, there's actually, I I was thinking that because obviously you and I both come from hockey. Yep. And we've seen, you know, we've seen some bad injuries in hockey, but it's, it's a different scale. You know, the, like we, we kind of understand that, you know, there's potentially life threatening injuries. I mean, they wear skates for God's sake. Right. But it's not in the same level of if someone has an injury, this is what's happened. You know, it's not like. Like in hockey, you do a knee or do an ankle. In motorsports, you end up in yeah. a coma or you lose a yeah. limb or you break, you know, you fracture a vertebra. Like it, it's so or, much or a piece more. Of your intense. car goes through your entire leg and you're James. Oh. Yeah, that's that's still- okay. I reckon this is probably a good spot for us to end. 